Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea, juice, kombucha, whatever you like in the fridge. Cheers people of the internet let me take a sip of this canned water because that's just something that i happen to have right now as i fade out this beat Mm, refreshing so i'm sitting here today you may you may you may know this human being from planet earth and places beyond but for those of you that don't make some noise for my friend icky vicky the, pe- the people of the internet are happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. How you. are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, uh, <clears throat> it, it's really stressful living through a historical moment every 20 hours. And um, there's definitely a lot going on, but I feel really good. You know, I got my canned water as well. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Um, I've been doing really well, staying safe. Um, I haven't been performing at all cause COVID. And so I've just been like doing my virtual thing here at my home. Um, I've had a few benefit shows and things, but for the most part, I just put the hiatus on in-person shows because we want everyone to stay safe, you know? Totally. Totally. I haven't, so- yeah, I the last show that I played was it was right right at the tail end of everything. It was like in the beginning of March we had played a show and even when we were at that show there was like this whole like should we be here vibe in the air like nobody really knew what was going on. But uh that was with Greywalker and then with like um Sykes and the New Violence which is no longer a thing, but uh that was we hadn't played a show since like 2019. So it was like we yeah. didn't, we didn't play a show at all in 2020. It's just like been a lot of at home, just sort of chilling, still like working on stuff, but less about me, more about you. For those, I've been doing the same thing. Like I made my little home studio. I've been uh, taking some guitar lessons, and I got some new instruments. And sorry, I'm trying to turn that off. Um, yeah, I've been trying to adjust to virtual shows has been difficult because so much of my act is based on crowd participation participation yeah like how far the crowd wants to go so it's a little strange for me to do virtual shows um one i did this like tried to do sort of like a video diary and i made a uh sequence chopped up of like my extreme highs and lows of quarantine. So it has me like super blissfully like doing my clown thing. And then also like me crying in the arms of a plastic mannequin saying like, I'm not alone. I have you. Um, And that's really cathartic. Like it's, it's really funny. And then also it's like, I don't know, just to kind of exaggerate it makes us, makes me feel better about 
you know, um, living through everything that's going on right now. And, uh, it's definitely been a challenge, but I got like my whole, uh, merch, merch booth put online. I got a big cartel. Um, so I've been having like t-shirts and stickers on sale and things like that. Um, so people have been really responsive to that. And also like my homemade goods and, I do like mixed media collages or like paintings and have like, I dabble in all these little things. So it's nice because I can still put it all together and sort of like compartmentalize that performance aspect into, you know, making more things for the store. Yeah. I think that, you know, for creators, one of the few benefits of forcing everybody to stay inside for the better part of a year i think is it it's forcing some people who normally wouldn't put so much time into like online content creation or online merchandising and things like that because we're just like you know fuck it like you know just want to be in we'll just do our shows and we're caught up in all this other hubbub of life and we kind of write off like oh maybe having a website's good maybe having these videos are good but now we have nothing else to do so now everybody has like really good content online and whenever you know life happens again and we're able to go outside we'll have all of this other cool stuff that we worked on over the past year but it's not easy for everybody to do that stuff and i know a lot of people just haven't done anything because they're in like a very very depressive hole which i totally get it's hard i've been i've so i've been um still i i feel like i kind of always have been with my act but still trying to um give information about mental health services like free things you can hotlines you can call warm lines you can call um because i know that it's just such a hard time and suicide rates are so high um so that's always been a part of my act like as a person who like is really open about having mental health. Um, Like I'm diagnosed bipolar too. So I just like, I empathize with people that have any type of like cluster B stuff going on. I know it's really hard, but I've talked with some people that struggle with depression or like any type of mental illnesses that would say that like, they're used to having their own little world and they're used to like self-isolating. Like that's a huge like, uh, I don't know. It's like a blessing and a curse for people. Like you kind of already have that ability to create like a little sanctuary Mm -hmm. in your home. Um, so I know some people that have been doing really well, like, and actually kind of like flourishing because they were like, like, and for me too, like I'm never late for anything. So it's so nice because I'm like one one huge thing for me was like being punctual and like got a lot of responsibilities. So um, it's really nice to like not have to go anywhere. Yeah, that <laughs> like I don't have to worry about being late or being like not ill prepared because it's just like I'm spending so much time in my home. Yeah, I'm... I really love my place. So I'm somebody who really relates to being very much in their own bubble is like social as my life is with the podcast and the bands and all of that. I 
definitely prefer to just kind of be at home and work on my projects and when I'm not like doing a podcast or anything like that. So it was really easy for me to adjust. And uh, I don't think I've missed live shows as much as everybody is saying that they are. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. love it. But like, They're you, stressful. It's, it's stressful. And on the level that I operate and maybe you as well. I mean, we're on like a like eight out of 10 shows or bullshit sort of thing. And it's just like we're constantly chasing those good ones. Like it's fun. And all of them are good in their own ways. And like, you know, but uh, I don't miss all of that stuff. I remember I saw a funny meme yesterday that was like, I did the it's like I did the math from gigs that I missed this year and I actually saved two hundred and twelve dollars. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's that's been one thing to where like organizing shows is so stressful. Having everyone like being the point person to where everyone's asking you questions. You're the venue. You're the com- communication channel through the venue. People want to know what they're going to get paid. Like they want their guarantee or it's like just so much. Um, so it's nice to not have to do that. Um, but I definitely miss in-person shows. Like maybe like six months ago, I was like, who's going to call the cops on me if I ask people to staple money to me again? Like <laughs> who's going to be the one? Yeah. Like, please don't be offended. But it's like, I don't know. It's just something about that. Like interacting with people. Like, I don't know if my shows will really ever be the same. And it's a good thing that people are so health conscious now, but like I was having like people staple money to me and then like people like licking blood off of my face and things. And like, just like the amount of like that, like so much of that is like just going to be gone. So I have my little box and everything and I can still perform in that. It's kind of like a COVID safe performance area so i brought the box to the halloween show yeah so that's already like covid safe totally so i can perform with that and kind of like get my fix i know it's not going to be the same but i'm like it's better to have loved and lost than never to loved at all like that was good for what it was when it was but i don't think that sideshow like that will ever be possible in like the next 10 years to 15 years i don't know i don't know i i don't think it will be possible in the next year or two but i think maybe a little bit sooner than 10 I know. We'll, just we'll see. Of like- we'll see. I don't want to be overly optimistic, but I don't think it's impossible. The one thing that yeah. I, I think, you know, it's we're, like we're the fluids. Sure, sure, sure. Well, tr- trust me. I don't think anyone's stopping from exchanging fluids anytime soon. Otherwise, we'll cease to exist, period. True. But I, I understand where you're coming from. But I think that in general, we're creatures of habit. And the moment that we're able to get back to some sort of normalcy, it's going to come back a lot quicker than we realize for better or worse, hopefully for better. But people are just so used to doing what they want to do. I guess that's true when you think of like the plague, the Spanish flu, and then like the roaring 20s. Sure. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, Because people really didn't care then. So maybe, yeah, I'm probably like over exaggerating that. I just feel like even with like face floss, like there's like spit particulates that come out. So if I'm not in, like I'll have to be in the box. Um, And I've been researching on busking permits for it, for it. 
And busking permits in Pittsburgh are so outrageous. I don't know if you've looked into it at all. Um, Maybe like two or three years ago, they painted these little circles on some of the streets. Like this is the busking circle. Huh. Um, But the permit is like $350. Like, no. Sure. I'm not going to pay for that. I think that we need to pause our conversation real quick. Because everybody watching this might not know what exactly it is that you do. And right now, for all they know, is that I'm talking to a nice, polite-looking individual that is casually talking about stapling money to their face and having people lick blood off them and busking. And we should probably paint a better picture of who you are for those that don't know you. And then we can continue forward so people have some context of what the hell is happening. For sure. So, uh, so my persona, clown persona, is named Icky Vicky, and she is like the leader of the Broken Heart Sideshow, which I've hosted plenty of other like clowns and things, but right now it's just a solo act. Um, and so I sing and do comedy, and I do traditional sideshow acts and some new reinventions of old acts. So in this variety show, I talk about how hard it is to find love as a clown and the trials and tribulations of being brokenhearted, which honestly, I feel like is is a theme everyone can hold on to in their own way or just sort of um, you get that with partners or there are things in the world that break your heart that aren't necessarily love. So I sing about these things and sort of make a joke about how brokenhearted I am and how hard it is to find love as a clown. Uh, Some of the acts that I do, the stapling is called hundred dollar man. So I ask for people to staple money to me as my suit, my hundred dollar suit. So I can become a hundred dollar clown and usually I'll talk about how it breaks your heart. It It's heartbreaking to see so much poverty and being in poverty and being like the hope there's like the hobo clown sort of character out there already. So this is sort of like a play on that. Um, and I do acts like face floss, mental floss, where you put a tube up into your nose and then you take it back out of your mouth I actually like have it right here um so basically what you do is I have a squirting flower that I use and you take like tubing and you put it up your nose and uh then you just lead it down There we go. And so this will clean my dirty, dirty mind because part of why I can't find love as a clown is because I'm a pervert. (laughs) I know I might not look like it. uh, But yeah, so a lot of times when I do in-person shows, I'll walk through the crowd with this. But like, again, it is covered Mm -hmm. in my uh, sinus 
yeah yeah so now we so, see yeah we see we see the, the, the why i'm like sad about coronavirus but i'm happy that people are more like conscious of their health and washing their hands well, and like, keeping the distance you and know, like how I mean, are you gonna are you one for the vaccine you think if you get a covid vaccine you could do this in public yeah i would take it yeah uh I did. Uh, <laughs> that was just like, like, yeah, I would take the vaccine then just rip the tube out. It's just really silly. I mean, as a person who has like had money stapled to me, I'm not worried about what's in the vaccine. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I know, like, I hear people saying like there's mercury in vaccines or like anti vax sort of rhetoric being attached to COVID vaccine. Sure. And I'm like, there's nothing dirtier than a dollar. Um, I'm probably fine. I'd like to just like wait because I'm not at risk enough. I feel like to take one like right away. Sure, sure. Well, I think that um, there at the time that we're recording this, this is what mid January 2021. So who knows when people will listen to this if they're listening in the future. But at the time right now, I think that they're um, they're starting to like open the uh, the threshold for people that can get the vaccine and it'll be a lot sooner than later that like pretty much anybody can go and get it i know that they like just like opened it up i think to like walgreens and maybe cvs or something can uh distribute the vaccines now uh i'm not going to say much more than that because i've only been half paying attention because i know it's not my time but you hear things in passing you hear things in passing they have a tier system at this Mm -hmm. time yeah um so yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, you know what I really just want more than anything? Patonka Tonk. Sure, sure, sure. Patonka Tonk yeah. is this brass festival in Pittsburgh, and it's honestly like the best time. It's on May Day, May 1st, or like around that time. And yeah, that just like, it's such a great celebration like rain or shine i have never not had a good time there and i feel like it's almost like pittsburgh's family reunion or something like you like just see everyone i'm sorry i don't know if you can hear my cat she's like yearning i can hear a cat that's okay that's <laughs> yeah all... she's in heat <laughs> oh geez <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. um for my own curiosity because i've known you now i believe for probably a couple of years a few years i don't know we've done several events together we've had plenty of conversations but i don't know a whole lot about like your backstory in terms of like what like where did i don't know what came first let's do this what came first uh playing music or being a clown Um, playing music definitely came first. Uh, I felt like kind of lame as like girl with the ukulele, uh, because I was like, just really just learning and I felt confident enough to play ukulele, but not guitar. Cause I've like, wasn't good enough at it. I felt like, um, and maybe not even like, I, I, I just wasn't confident, um, playing things that I wrote and I kind of had like stage fright, you know? Sure. And so I would go to open mics and things still like after performing huge shows and having like 
doing performance art for years. And if I'm at an open mic playing music, I wrote like, I'm nervous. Um, but the, with sideshow, it's so in your face and, uh, the clown persona really came about because I went through some like super traumatic stuff and I needed a place to throw all of my anger, paranoia, fears, and like upset and like heartbrokenness, like legit. And so I could feel my friends like getting tired of me, not like being okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they're not equipped to deal with um, PTSD things like of that nature. Like just, they just weren't. And I was like, I need to do something or everybody's going to like, not want to be around me. And so I just like made it into this like persona. And whenever I was like in my like PTSD zone, I had a very high pain tolerance, like high, high, like almost like I didn't feel it because I was in so much pain. And then I started like thinking about it more about how I could like make it into like something that is productive and fun and kind of just change that narrative for myself to being like, I'm going to use this to make money because I need money to survive. And also I want to perform. I want to like, you know, I would go to comedy open mics and practice the Vicky comedy (laughs) and like that to practice the monologues. Like it was really fun. Like at Hambones, they had a comedy open mic and I did face floss at one of them. And I was just telling jokes like, love is so hard love is like math you look at your ex and you're like why (laughs) and i'm doing the face floss and telling these kind of like dumb jokes but people like they hadn't the the comedians at the open mic had never seen somebody get up on stage and do something like that so it's like i'm on the fringe of all these circles the hardcore like technically talented musical people because like my voice is nice whenever i can focus on just singing or if I feel playing confidently, my voice is, is actually like nice, like jazzy. And that's kind of where I'm going to take the sideshow because I'm learning jazz guitar so I can play and write my own stuff. And my biggest influence is like Amy Winehouse. Mm -hmm. Like I want to make music like her. If I, if I had to sound say like, I want to sound like anyone cause I don't really want to sound like another person, but like, I want to make music like she made like, um, so I'm just going to like use that because I don't really feel as heartbroken. My act was so good when I didn't have like my emotions in check. And when I had been not able to afford therapy, like my sideshow was popping. (laughs) Sure. But now I'm like better emotionally. And so like the sideshow is like suffering. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of interesting places where I want to go with this. Um, Yeah. Because I relate 100% with, you know, getting to a point of like, you know, your art comes out of very low dark points in your life in a way. And it's really good. It's very visceral and raw. And like, you know, a lot of the stuff I do isn't nice. I don't do nice sounding things. So it's like, if it's like, there's this 
extra layer of like gross in me, it really comes out in a good way. And now that I'm in this place where it's like, well, you know, my life and my relationships and my work and finance, like I'm in a stable place. I'm like, what the fuck do I do with my music? How do I, you know, what I, it's like, you know, basically it's like the only thing I've been able to do is like find the pain in other people that are still going through things and try to find ways to tell their stories because like my story's kind of like past the point of needing to be told at this point. So trying to find some creative ways to do that, but less about me, more about you. Yeah. That's the same thing. I, now I'm in a really good place. I've been going to therapy. My relationship's good. Like I was in court for like four years or so. Um, and I won my cases. So then it's like, I don't desperately need money for legal fees. Like I did three years ago. So I'm not like as adamant about doing certain acts or like, I'm not booking myself on shows like eight times a month. Like I was, you know, or that's not even possible, but like, I'm not, I'm not going that far. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's nice, but also I want to just take some time to do like make new, all new stuff, like just make different things that resonate more with where I'm at right now. But um, yeah, I feel that for sure. In a lot of ways, You know, if you're feeling as though your act maybe doesn't need to be so extreme, you might be able to lean into a more COVID friendly act moving forward, even though there may be parts of it that you miss. Maybe some of it doesn't need to be so intense if you're not feeling like you need to represent that. Because I don't know if there's like, if you want to just do extreme stuff just to do it, or if you want everything to have a deeper purpose in your act. Yeah. Or is there like a balance? A little bit of both. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit of both. The hundred dollar man really is like um, a reflection of selling your body under capitalism. And it is a, it is like a play on like what you define as like selling your body were like what I would rather do that. I would rather do hundred dollar man and make, try to make $200, $100 if I can in like 10 minutes than to sit and work at a nine to five job getting minimum wage. It would take me like two days to do that. Sure. It's just like, um, yeah, I feel like it kind of changes perspective on how we view labor and um, like the sale of your body. Mm -hmm. And also to go off of that i have been doing a lot of benefits to benefit the sex workers of pittsburgh mutual aid fund okay and that's going to be my next thing that i have going on is a raffle so i did a show for them that's on all on youtube and then i'm going to be doing the raffle but i think i'm going to be bringing out and just filming for content with like a new prop that i have if i can show it to you absolutely Okay, so it's this big balancing wheel. Okay. Um, I really love circus art because all of the hand painted, everything. Like I found this in or my partner found this in the trash and he gave it to me. But it's just like a wheel that you can balance on. So I wrote like step here. And I'm gonna be putting magnets on it to hold my fire torches off of it. So then I'll be balancing on it 
and there's fire and I'm like up high and everything. But this, that, this is my other, um, what I've been working on that's COVID safe because once I'm on it, I'm probably like seven feet tall. So I'm not in the same like bubble as everybody else. And also like I could do something where I like rope it off or put like a barrier. Yeah. I mean, if there's fire involved, you probably want to rope it off anyways. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So that's another, I'm, I'm probably going to be filming with this to do promotion, but I painted this last winter, like fall, maybe like in September, I started working on it and, uh, yeah, I love it. I like I like making all my stuff like unique. The hand lettering, just working on the lettering style and being able to see myself progress through that. Yeah. Um because there is like a some sort of like sell, I don't know, it's like fulfillment that I get where I'm, you know, working on everything and when people compliment me on my props or my merchandise that has hand lettering then i like feel really happy because i'm like okay i put the time into it it is like for me but it's also for them and just doing things like seeing people get really happy and kids really love the fire clown stuff so that's really sweet too because then whenever i'm out and i'm filming content and i see kids they're like oh my gosh this is like this crazy fire clown like juggling fire it's like my juggling's gotten tighter and so COVID's been really productive for me even if I'm not like fully virtual yet Mm -hmm. I've always whoa wrong screen I've always uh really admired like how much of a shit you give like that's really the only way I can put it. It's just one of those things that like I've been around so many people throughout the years and it's like really easy for me to tell if somebody actually gives a fuck about what they're doing and if they don't. And it's just fun being around you because I love being around people that care. That's it. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I think it's great that, you know, you, you're doing the sideshow thing and that's fun. I don't really know anybody else that does it. So that's cool. But regardless, it's just cool that you care in general about what you do. And like, there's that extra level of like nuance to every little detail about how you want to present yourself to the world as a entertainer. And I just think like, you know, while like the entertainment industry never really went away, I feel like the art of entertaining kind of died over the past several decades. So it's always nice to see entertainers that actually are more than just like it's more than a uh i don't know you know do you understand what i mean like you're there's like a show like it's an actual presentation thing especially on like a more of like a underground sort of like diy level it's not just like you're going to someone's band practice at a bar it's like no like i want to give you a show and i've always found that like super fascinating yeah i i really like just invest a lot of time into it but also I feel like people can tell that I care about it and there's people that like I've performed with or people who have bought content off of me or just like people who are on the internet who do the same thing as me where like I'm gonna keep supporting my friends and people that I've met and like I I always put a little like personal touch on merchandise that I send out. So I feel like that's one reason why people 
really like fuck with me is because they like if they are having a bad time and they're like, Hey, I'm like in the dumps, I'll be like, Hey dude, like don't be in the dumps. And I'll like send like a little video of me, like doing something silly. And then they're like, Oh, that helped me so much. And it's like, it doesn't really take that much time for me to like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like a, like work to like have that connection with people where I know a lot of people who are like, entertainers or even like chat like cam girls that are like oh I can't do the chatting like I don't care so I don't care about doing it and I'm like well that's like it's not only your it's somebody who like is willing to invest in you so like it doesn't feel like work to just invest that time and energy into like people that like I always try to give give a little more for like in-person shows and people that hire me and buy merch off of me and stuff, but even just like random people that I meet that are like also doing the clown girl thing. I'm like, Hey, let me like share your only fans because if there's dudes that like my content, they're going to like her content, you know, cause she's also a clown girl, like, and try to like share like resources with people because it doesn't take away from what you're doing to help somebody else out. And like a lot of people have a misconception that if they help somebody that they're going to be, that person's going to be like bigger than, or like do more with it. Or like that it's sure. going to like, they feel like they need to like protect that everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a, uh, it's a misconception for sure, because if everybody's winning, like everybody's it doesn't have to just be one yeah. person or the other it's it's a huge it's a huge misconception it's like you know go to go to a grocery store there's a thousand different brands of everything and everybody's doing well it's just people yeah. like their own individual little things but if it's all together it helps because if somebody goes to the store for mac and cheese maybe all they know is craft they go to the craft and then next to it they see like oh there's some gluten-free alternative I didn't realize I'll get that one instead. And if they weren't together yeah. on the shelf, you wouldn't even have known. So especially in Pittsburgh as being like a small town, just forming those connections is so valuable. Like I've gotten hooked up from people that are like, Oh, you like went out of your way for my friend. So I'm going to like hook it up. And I'm like, Oh word. Like, thanks. I wasn't expecting anything in return, but like you get those, connections um I don't know another thing with being in a small town is like I've had I had some like rocky road issues this past year I actually got kicked out of Redfish Bowl Collective for getting a PFA on someone who was harassing me but it was like it just happened to be Chris Bowles roommate so he like kicked me out under like some discriminatory ass circumstances so they like talk shit on me to everybody and we're like, don't work with her. Don't fuck with her. But then people who just like met me were like, oh, that's wrong. Like, I thought you were like different. But now that I met you, I can see that you're actually really cool. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Like, um, it doesn't it it doesn't like have to take away from what you're doing to help other people. And I feel like that's how like even through like whatever's going on like just keeping that mentality it's it really takes you so far like you don't even if someone is like 
even if you're not for everybody, like you are going to be for who you yeah. are for. No, yeah. I, I think that it's, it's so crucial just to like show that empathy for your fellow humans regardless if they're fellow creators or entertainers or whatever it's just like if you see somebody in need of help or whatever like help them out i think that like you had friends in town one time that like needed a gig or something and i had a show so i was like yeah whatever they could play yeah they okay they are awesome yeah they were super cool i had no idea who they were no, and, nobody does like what they like yeah they're both of their acts are so there's so much emotion um yeah stepdad chris uh he's also like one of the funniest people ever but he like still talks about that he still is like so appreciative of yeah, that yeah. opportunity and like he's been talking with me about possibly like touring or like going around but it just is hard to like gauge when that's going to be acceptable mm-hmm. for people or you know so i've been in contact with them yeah they had a great show yeah no that was, it was it was awesome and and like you were it it didn't take much for me to do that in the same way that it doesn't take much for you to maybe send somebody a video or to do this or that i'm like whatever it's like yeah there's you know we can make up an hour of time for them to play some gigs i would hope that if i was out of town and i needed something that somebody would do that for me i would hope and i've been in situations where that has happened i've had gigs get canceled and then people that were going to go to that show just ended up letting us play in their damn basement because they're cool and it's like you gotta just like put that energy out there if you want it to come back to you you have to totally and I think- I'm going to be planning something too with this uh, performer named Austin Possum. We were supposed to go on a Florida tour last year. And I think that's going to be probably like next summer, next spring. Mm-hmm. We're planning. Uh, this is Milky. Hey. She she's yearning. <laughs> she's so cute. I love her. Um, I have a cat backpack for her and it's the cutest carrier ever. And she gets so cozy in it. And like, I just took her out to the store to get her some more food. And people were like, Oh, we love her. They were like wanting to like put their hand in to pet her. And I was like, okay, just put this sanitizer on. You can pet her. um, The the one last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was in terms of people that maybe aren't interested in helping people or people that aren't interested in, you know, communicating with their fans or chatting with people. And I think that there are people that like maybe like me and maybe like you, that are in this, not just for like some level of success. Like I started making music and sharing my art with the world. Cause I wanted to meet other weirdos that were like me. It was never about like, Oh, like I could pay for my rent with this. Like that'd be cool. But that wasn't the thought. It was just like, I have all of this, urge in me to make art and I want to meet other weirdos like me so that's all it was so I'm all about like talking and meeting with other people but I think some people get into it because well they just need the money or they just want the fame and they're not interested in empathizing or making those connections they just want to take and they don't want to give for me it's always like giving first and if I can take something home with me that's that's dope yeah that's just like where my brain was but that's just I don't know I started you know making beats and music and shit when i was like 12 so it's like i was definitely coming from a mentality of like well i live at home now and like i'm not like it wasn't attached to it maybe some people that get started later like it could be 
you do things for different reasons. I don't know. But yeah, I I feel like there's a certain amount of narcissism you have to have to like be a performer because you're like, okay, I'm assuming like people are going to like come out and see me like do my thing. Oh, so it's like everybody has this like certain level, but in I feel like in certain people, like they kind of get wrapped up in like, how can I become bigger? And I'm just like, how can I feel like I don't want to be like big. I want to be like good at what I do. I want to like be better in my personal life. And yeah. like uh, this character of Vicky being a conduit to me being like healthier as a person. I feel like that's like the main goal. And like, I want to make stuff that people like, like my stickers and t-shirts. I want to make things that like people would actually wear. Like, I'm also interested in designing things and whatnot, but I feel like sometimes you just get too wrapped or like people maybe get too wrapped up in it to where they're like, how can I get bigger? Like, I don't want to give because it's going to take away from like what I have and what I'm building up here. But really like every exchange, not even just monetarily is the, every exchange you have is energetic, like currency. So if you just are taking, then you're going to stop feeling that abundance and like the flow of everything. I don't know. Mm. That kind of sounds like woo woo, but I feel like with exchanging energy with people like that, it's people give you so much when you're performing, like the crowd gives so much energy. So I just feel like as a performer, like it should be so fun for them and they should be like taking something away from it too. Um, and I, and a lot of what I talk about is like really relatable with mental health stuff. So like people do like, hang on to that. I just feel like there's like a selfishness that comes along with it when you like are trying to become like the biggest or like the best, or like, I want to be signed. Or you have like these like big, like grandiose goals. You start to think of yourself as like, not a person who's like just a regular ass guy. Like, you know, you start to think of yourself as like, wait, it, it becomes bigger than like that ego inflation becomes bigger than like it should be. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a big part of it. Once you get into performing because yeah, everybody has to have like a touch of it. You have to have like a little bit of it to be like, I'm the performer or like just wanting attention to be on stage or, you know, like if you believe in your art and it makes you feel good to share it, then that I feel like helps to keep the ego down. Well, yeah, there's like this this weird thing where like you, uh, I mean, you mentioned like, you know, woo woo energies and things like that. And I'm not much of that type of a person. But I do think that it's really easy to poo-poo the woo-woo, which you shouldn't do, because I think there is such a thing as energies and vibes that people give off for sure. And I think it's really easy to pick up on those things if you're tuned into it. I mean, all this vocabulary sounds really silly for me, but it's just yeah, something that I've, no yeah. I've, I've noticed these things and I don't know how else to describe them. Because like you get vibes from people and you could tell if like somebody's putting out good or negative energy into the world. And it's real easy to be like, well, you know, I don't have like crystals in my pocket or anything, but I think that there's like yeah. something to be said about this. And, you know, in terms of being an entertainer, I think that, you know, 
you need to have some sort of like you said like arrogance or ego or just like you need to like fuck with yourself to a certain degree for people to want to fuck with you yeah absolutely like it has to be like an inviting ego is maybe like a way to put it like you know like i fuck with myself and i fuck with you so let's fuck with each other sort of a thing not like a i fuck with myself and you'll never be on my level like that's not cool there has to be a way to like invite people into this thing to make people feel good about themselves because like you're putting positive energy into them that's making them feel more positive and then it be then their positivity hits you and it makes you feel better and it creates like this you know chain reaction of good feelings which is like the best thing possible especially when you know you're putting art out into the world that's maybe been birthed out of something that wasn't so positive but you're finding a way to flip it and take advantage of that negativity yeah that's really that's basically like the goal of my sideshow because um it's hard to have a bad time dressed as a clown but then also there's like the sad clown yeah sort of vibe you can go for so it's like even if you are like just take advantage of it and honestly like the first few times I dressed up like a clown I was um busking is playing music on the street I feel like I didn't maybe didn't say that earlier or I did but I would just go and like sit on a bridge and cry and practice music and put a hat out and like people would feel bad for me and like put money into it but I was just so like I had, you know, you have like therapists, you have like your friends, but then it's like, if you're still in such a low place, it's like, I felt like I had to like, just do something with it, you know? Um, so that's like the first couple of times I've, I had gone out as a clown was like, just like crying and playing music and like not expecting anybody to tip me, but like hoping somebody would. Um, and then, yeah, I, I kind of want to be able to do that, but it's online. It doesn't fully translate. Okay. So rewinding real quick. Well, actually not real quick. This might be a whole nother can of worms. We'll see what happens. So clown happened after you just as a, you know, uh, singer songwriter developing playing ukulele going to open mics and then eventually you start doing clown stuff that's mm-hmm. kind of the short version of it right and let me yeah. let me move this so you can see me that's the short version of it so from there but before that um you had mentioned something about performing arts were you doing some other things prior to ukulele singer songwriter stuff in some sort of aspect or did i just so, miss that um yeah, I I feel like I've always been really into like making my own kind of like costumes and okay. things like that. So I I sort of always had that crafty of it. You've yeah, been crafty. Yeah. So and I've always like made my own co- all the costumes and everything. So it just kind of like. Mate was meshed together into this like amalgamation. So, yeah. Oh, so it's like maybe like you know, growing up, you you have this collective of interests, and then eventually it all forms into one ball that becomes Icky Vicky. Yeah. Uh, the V names started to come about because 
I was like telling people that my name was Veronica or Vicky or Vivian. I loved going by Vivian, but like people didn't like believe it. And everybody that I said, my name was Vicky. They would say like, oh, I believe like, yeah, you look like a Vicky. And then I, the I never, I never questioned I, it. Yeah. The first time that I performed, uh, as Vicky was with stolen stitches sideshow because Charlie Tharjic was out of town and Claudette Sim Sim was uh, pregnant with her son. And so Danger Dave asked me to perform and I sort of like just said like Icky Vicky. And he didn't even like remember what I said and was like, it was really weird like doing intro. He like forgot that I said my name was Icky Vicky and was like about to intro me as something else. And then, yeah, I just like, had done like the lovely assistant thing, but I was like, I'm, I'm not a lovely assistant. I'm a front woman. Okay. I'm not just going to sit, stand in the background and not talk and not sing and not tell jokes. Cause I was like, I could do all of that. And, um, so yeah, then I like started doing icky Vicky stuff after that under the name icky Vicky. Um, but I had done the reason why he asked me is because I had been doing like clown busking before that, but I just didn't have like a persona. Mm. So yeah, that basically just, it just became icky Vicky because I started saying that was my name. And then I started writing icky Vicky's broken heart sideshow on things. And then I like, couldn't really change it. Sure. So I, I've also been thinking about changing the name to, um, my, okay. I, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not, but I've been like thinking about changing the name of it. Uh, just because I don't know. It's like, I'm so branded. I can't really do it. I can't really do that, but you, I, I could do whatever I want. At yeah, the same absolutely. Time. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I've just been thinking about if I do jet, if I make it into like slowly tapering off clowning and make it more into like jazz guitarist vocalist i'll probably do a name change if i ditch the clown stuff at some point or like if i just don't feel relating to it anymore for whatever reasons but if if it becomes like i'm singing music that i wrote and i feel really confident to perform it i'll probably change the name at some point but yeah. i've just been thinking about that so much cuz it's like you put so much into branding something and then just to one day like one day if you were like actually i'm not going to go by sykes uh, i'm not going to do it's not going to be start the beat like it's going to be something totally well, different i mean i kind of did that in a way <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, because I was like, I don't want this to be Sykes and a new violence anymore. I completely changed the band name to normal creatures. Cause I was like, this isn't just about oh, me. Yeah. I want a whole band. And then in terms of like any of my like branding, like now it's like everything is under Brian Sykes. How? Cause I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get rid of Sykes. It was impossible. But if I just yeah. start saying, well, I'm Brian, it's Brian Sykes. How? Like that's my middle name. People believe it. Nobody really questions it. Most people thought Sykes was my last name anyways. So I'm just doing that. And it was kind of like a soft rebrand. So yeah. like you, I don't think like moving forward, like you'll never see like a Sykes on anything. I changed start the beat with Sykes to start the beat podcast. Just oh, like, cause I like, it's like, I don't, I don't want 
to be known as Sykes anymore, really. I mean, I guess I am, and it's going to people know me as that and i don't want to be like fuck you people that have known me for over a decade you can't call me that anymore like it's whatever i don't want to be complicated but just moving forward i could do my best to just kind of just let it exist but not have it be a forefront thing and i think that you could easily do something similar where you know maybe people do know you as vicky and that's fine but you can still like find a a way to kind of softly shift it over to something else if you decide to it doesn't have to be this big remarkable thing like you know if i'm doing the broken heart sideshow i don't have to like abandon that name or anything i can just like i have done it before where i'll change when i had other clowns like working on my show with me as a more permanent fixture where we would just go by broken heart sideshow and it would be like um i had somebody who went by dolly fox on one of my shows so for that one we like put both of our names presenting broken heart sideshow with people and then i had um i had some other people on my on my act as well so i feel like that might be a good thing to just like maybe keep it or saying like this this new persona is playing with the broken heart sideshow and it's like actually just me because people like they have come to sort of expect that like split personality type of thing from me. And I feel like it is like a big outlet for me as like a bipolar person to have like different things based on how I'm feeling because my emotions do shifts. Like I will, I have stopped doing self-deprecating material for the most part because it's really funny and everything, but then after like months of doing self-deprecating material, I'm like, damn, I'm nothing. I'm so gross. Like, wow. Sure. Sure. And then, so I'm like, yeah, I got to change that because it is what you say. Like it does affect your body, your mentality, like your health and everything. And like just having, um, self-deprecating material, like feel like it kind of like, takes away from what I could do if I sort of switch the narrative and channel it into like, yeah, I'm a big freak. Like you can't handle being with a freak like me. I break (laughs) hearts. And then it's like broken heart sideshow still, it still is applicable. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm like, you know, uh, changing up how I have been doing my monologues and doing the songs or had mostly all been about, like self self loathing, self deprecation, uh, you know, like fear, paranoia, and then like it was like people could get clutch onto it, you know. Um, but I'm just worried because of like all my stuff saying like broken heart sideshow, like just keeping it like relevant and like there's a point to it because I feel like right now. I have so much like with that, with COVID, like I I have so many possibilities that I'm like, I don't even fully know what like the show looks like right now as like a set. Yeah. So just reinventing that it's, it's been fun and just like I'm learning uh, sword swallowing. So I'm going to incorporate sword swallowing as nice. well. Nice. That's going to be tight. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Um, a, I yeah. can, I can do it with a coat hanger, but I'm getting like an actual sword. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the coat hanger is still like I've seen people when they perform use coat hangers that do sword swallowing. So I'm like, yeah, I could do that, but I could also like have a badass sword that I like wield as well. Fuck and yeah. so in a holster, like Fuck yeah. I basically want to look like uh Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. from nineteen ninety two or whenever that came out, nineteen ninety six, you know? Yeah. Like, I want I want like the white I got a whole new costume that's like it's like a leather like harness. It's like this like really badass costume. It's fake leather, but fuck yeah. Leather. Um, so yeah, I sort of want to like change change the narrative slowly into something that's more like flashy and uh with more more sideshow tricks. The sword swallowing is gonna be a really great addition because I already have so many sideshow staples that it's just like adding to my repertoire as well. No, now getting into the sideshow stuff, you know, you are playing ukulele, you're writing, you're starting the right songs, you're doing open mics, you decide to take on this clown persona, you start busking. When did the sideshow stuff really start to come into play? And what was like some of the first stuff that you were like learning how to do in terms of a air quote sideshow so i learned how to eat fire that was like eight years ago um but i guess the first trick i ever learned was i used to be able to like snort a spaghetti noodle and then like like go like like hawker it back out of my mouth as like maybe like a 14 or 15 year old (laughs) kid you know okay So i knew how to do face floss before i knew how to eat fire so that um, that so that's another thing from you know way back in the day that somehow came into this this ball of what would be mm-hmm. Icky Vicky. Because I used to like. Where did that come? Why did you do that? Were you just like a wacky kid? I was just like a weird kid. I was actually voted class clown of my high school. That's really funny. Um, and I didn't know if it was like a joke <laughs> because this dude Zach Young used to like bully me all the time and say that. I looked like a clown because my nose was red because I had acne. Well, like I went through puberty like before the other girls did. So like nobody looked like me in my school and I had acne and shit. And he would say like, you're a clown. So then I would be like, I am actually. And I would do weird shit like that. And be like, basically like you can't make fun of me for shit that I'm not ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And it like, I don't know, like people could, I feel like people could tell sort of what I was doing was like making people laugh because this dude was trying to like get people to bully me with him. Mm -hmm. And my bullies have always been men. This is such a weird thing about my life. I've never had a woman try to bully me, really, but always it's been men. Um, and so, yeah, I just like kind of use it as like a defense mechanism. But when I was voted class clown, I thought like Zach Young did this shit. Fuck. And I was like pissed. Uh huh. <laughs> but then looking back, like I did really weird things. Like I was just a weird person. Um, I, I would do things that just, I, just because I thought it was funny and I wanted to like have a better time than I was having. And people like didn't understand what my motivations really were, I guess, in like doing these things. But I'm not sure to this day if that was genuine or if Zach Young like 
made like told people to vote for me for class clown because he like bullied me about having acne which is like I don't know looking back like I didn't really like care about it as a thing but I definitely like think about it a lot now like it was just one of like a lot of fuck like high school is like that where it's like it's just sort of a one-off thing I didn't really fully remember it until I had somebody come to a show who went to my high school and I was like yeah I know who you are like I went to high school with you and they were like what (laughs) and then I was like yeah I was voted class clown like you can look in the yearbook and they like sent me a photo of it and they were like oh shit and I was like I didn't even remember that like when I did my whole like clown thing I like didn't full I wasn't like fully cognizant of that going into it you know what I mean yeah yeah but I learned those tricks because of that situation like I wouldn't have been doing face floss if I wasn't like yeah I am like look how gross I you know and I was doing the same thing then that sort of that I'm doing now. So it's like, I don't know, kind of weird. That's funny. So in terms of, uh, you know, moving forward and now most recently, as we had just mentioned, sword swallowing, do you find yourself like intimidated by these ideas or are you just like wrapped up in this, I like this mentality of like, well, this is what I do. And there are other people in my community that do these things. So I have resources to learn and I'll just figure it out. Cause I want to do it. Or are you like yeah, intimidated I- at all? I feel like it's a little intimidating whenever I'm like looking at the quality of shows of these, some of these like huge international companies. And I'm like, I don't really want to even be, I don't want to be at that level, but it's just like, that's crazy. Like that there are people that do it that like really do get to that level. Like someone that I performed with was doing a residency at a hotel in India like a residency, like they were living for free at this hotel and like doing all this stuff like the possibilities really could be endless, but I feel like it's just my desire to like know more tricks and do more tricks in unique ways. Um, and I really want to be able to do sword swallowing because it goes with my act. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, there's, uh, an international sideshow company that I performed with called Hell's a Poppin. And they were telling me how they never saw someone do human pincushion the way that I did it. And that's just like really inspiring to say like, okay, people have been doing this sort of thing for like hundreds of years, pretty much. Like there's been freak shows around for a while, but to have someone who's so big say like, Oh, I've never seen this before. Like, kind of gives me like that steam in my engine to being to wanting to reinvent acts and come up with new and different ways to do something that's like a staple act Mm -hmm. you know speaking of uh staple acts staples and uh, the hundred dollar suit or hundred dollar what is that called what do you call it again hundred dollar man hundred dollar man hundred dollar man hundred dollar man so in terms of that, now we're starting to get into something that maybe crosses a certain threshold, right? In terms of like doing this publicly in front of people, not necessarily like I'll gladly staple something to myself. I can I can deal with the pain. The blood doesn't weird me out. I'm not worried about money being dirty as Vicky. 
But I, now I'm going and I'm going to go do this in front of strangers. What was it like the first times you were starting to do these acts in front of people? Because like, you know, it's a lot different practicing something yourself and then actually having getting, as you mentioned before, getting strangers and the crowd, the audience involved in doing this. What was that like? So it's really exciting. And it's one of my favorite parts of the sideshow is watching that change in people because people tend to think it's really strange and like gross and people, some people don't want to do it. And you'll be able to tell right away as you explain to people what you want them to do to staple money to you and maybe give like an example staple. Um, There's right away. It'll be like the people who are into it and then the people who are not. But the best thing is watching the people who aren't slowly. (laughs) Sure. And it's of course, like you, you don't know what's going to happen. Like I've had people pull on the hooks if I'm being stapled and the hooks are still in my lips. And then like someone will just like pull on the string and I'm not expecting it. Like you really have to be ready for people to not, um, it's almost like you become like this inhuman being. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to be ready for people to expect that, like you, that you could take it. Like if they'll, if it hurt, you just have to do be ready for anything. And it, it can be intimidating if like someone is like, oh, like, oh, I have all this money. And then they're like, bah, 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 like right in a row. And it's uh, like, a lot. you kind of just have to brace yourself. But more often than not, I'm having to tell people like push harder, do it hard or it won't stick. And yeah. then they're like, oh my, like clutching their pearls because really like, they'll just it's an upholstery stapler it's like an industrial size you have to like push it yeah 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 and so most of the time i have to tell people to like go harder and people are really like try to be gentle but then you get those like one percent of people that like they're gonna like tug on your shit and like rip on the staples and like it's probably gonna hurt you know like um i feel like there's not there's no guarantee that some shit like that's not going to happen to you when you're like walking down the street. So it's for me, it's nice to be able to like yell at someone like push harder. Like I need, I, you need to like go, you need to do more. It's not going to stay. And you sort of like get, get it on like with people in like, get in their face. Like, yeah, I'm going to need a little more energy in this. Yeah. That was pretty weak. Like, I think you have, I think you have better in you or whatever. Sure. Like you gotta just tell people like, Oh yeah, I, I knew you were going to be scared or whatever. Like I could tell you were going to be, weren't going to be able to do it. And then it like motivates them to, to like go for it. But most of the time that's the case. There's only been a few times where I've had people like kind of cross a boundary, but there's no spoken, sure Uh, line it's like it's like maybe sometimes like you 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 encounter someone and you all of a sudden don't feel like this is the first time they've stapled somebody and you're like this is a little weird you're a little bit too good at this yeah for sure (laughs) um and there are people that they'll like come to the shows ready with money because they know that i do this 
And I've had people like bring like $2 bills or like one time uh, my, my best friend's mom sent a bag of change for her to staple to me. And so that was like probably the funniest thing because it was like $8 in change. It was heavy. And like, she just was like stapling and stapling it until it stuck. And there were like 12 or 13 staples, like just on that bag. And then I'm like carrying around a bag of change. <laughs> it was really funny. Wow. Oh my gosh, yeah. That is entertaining. I'm entertained just hearing the story. I wasn't even there. I know. Yeah. Mom has the best jokes. So, She's like my second mom. So in terms of, you know, you have this life of people that you know, and then you start doing this clown persona and eventually people that are in your life, it's all going to come together and people are going to realize that Icky Vicky is a thing and you're doing this. So what was it like on, you know, just a broad overview of like people in your life pre Vicky finding out about Vicky and getting to know Vicky? So I have some friends that like won't come to my shows and like my friend Courtney Coco was like, I love you. And like, I'm proud of you, I think. And like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to ever see it. Sure. And sh she just like, she doesn't like the blood stuff. Like I know a lot of people who are queasy that are like, I support you just not in person. And I'm like, cool. Like, uh, my mom just found out I was a clown late um 2019 okay. and so i had already been doing this for like years yeah and she found out because i was booked to perform at the city paper best of party which was circus themed mm. so i had to like it just came into scenarios where then i like had to tell her what i was doing and I wasn't going to lie about it. Like, I've never really, like, lied about it. But I just didn't say that I was a clown. And then she saw the photos online. And she was like, you're a clown. <laughs> and I was like, I know. And then she, you know, she was like, I don't understand it. But, like, that's cool that you have that, I guess. And it's funny because like, she's like, seems like she's mildly embarrassed about it. But then sometimes she'll like, be like, oh yeah, she eats fire. And like, she was booked at this like big party and I'll be like, oh, sweet. Not embarrassment today. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. It's just, my family's really like, not like that. My brother mm -hmm. is a performer. He plays music, but all his stuff is like pretty normal. Like the last band that he had was called valedictorian um and then before that he had this emo band that was really dope called hooray for everything and uh they i don't know he just like plays music with himself he's not in a band now so i feel like they understand for the most part like you need a performance outlet or you want to like play music or do comedy and a lot of it is like social commentary which yeah. they know I'm super outspoken about politics and things like that. So I feel like they understand it. But at the same time, like my parents are just like, why do you need the makeup though? Like why? And I'm like, I just think it's fun. And I love like clown things, like just sure art and 
different like representations in that old sideshow signs that are hand painted like that's like my shit I love that stuff so I feel like it just came was like sort of partially birthed out of my love for like DIY and like old DIY stuff um and so they're they're pretty cool with it I feel like my partner is like whenever I'll say like I'll never find love then he's like words it like sure sure you know, sure. and I, but yeah. I think he get. I feel like he gets it because I had Vicky before we were together. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I actually asked him, he built the box. Um, so I had asked him to work on that. And then we like, sl- like slowly just started hanging out more and like became a thing and just like had been dating and stuff. But that's another reason why I'm like, I want to change my material because i'm like super happy with him like sure. we have a great relationship and it's really healthy and we really don't like fight we've definitely had like hard discussions but we just like get along really well and like things are really good in that department so it's hard to be like i'll never find love because i'm like currently in love i don't know I'm, like yeah it's it, it, <laughs> it, it, just like that's not real and it doesn't come off as authentic because i don't like feel like that yeah yeah i've had the same issue with you know music that i had written in the past that was either you know telling stories that were relevant or self-deprecating in a way and it's just like you grow past it and it's like i don't even feel comfortable performing these songs anymore but you know it was a reflection of who i was in that time frame so i'm not like embarrassed by them and i'm not gonna hide them or anything from the world but it's just Mm -hmm. like you know if i'm gonna continue to create new songs and you're going to continue to make new acts and do different songs and things like that it's like you can move on past those things they're just is a snapshot of who you were then but you're not like beholden to that forever you're allowed to grow yeah yeah i feel like that that shift of narrative into like yeah you know i like it hot and like eating fire and it's like you can yeah i can express myself in different ways like that and um make it relatable and also still uh, relevant to my life because um yeah there will there will be i'm sure for a while like i'll be in the box and everything but there will be a time when like I'm probably going to release music, like whether it's like on band, just on band camp, like low key or whatever, but I am going to be like taking it into another direction. So, um, I, I want to like keep, keep on the same sort of page though, as like always advocating for mental health and like deconstructing cis hetero, like white patriarchy and like examining privilege um, those have always been themes that I've talked about because I feel like they're really relevant to me personally, but also like mostly society is trying to deconstruct those sort of structures that we have in place and like ending stigmatization of drug users as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like is really important for us as a society. So that's going to continuously be something that I talk about with the needle play that I do. Like I do like a Dr. Vicky sort of thing where I talk about how, like, if you need to use a drug, whether it's prescribed or non-prescribed to like keep you from 
doing further harm to yourself or others, like you should do that. And maybe like in the future, we'll have like, um, like available. I know that these things are available now. There's a organization called prevention point Pittsburgh that gives out like testing strips for drugs, needles, like you can go there. And I, I don't think that they have like a, uh, safe place that's like an injection place but like working towards this society where if you get caught in that like depressive hole or you get like caught in like an addictive spiral or that you're not so stigmatized and so like rejected by society that you just like bottom out um, like I said, like suicide rates are so high right now. So I feel like that's going to be something that I continuously advocate for, um, going forward, just because it's so, so important to remind people that they're not alone and like, they don't, it's not embarrassing to be struggling with mental health. It shouldn't be embarrassing to like talk to people about it. Um, and then like destigmatizing just like all whole like myriad of things like drug use and also then like deconstructing like the privileges that cause for us to have that like classist Mm. mentality yeah because some people like don't or they don't realize it they don't even like really think about it and it can help somebody else so much to just like be treated like a human being yeah, I think that one of the the biggest misunderstandings that most people have is like how good they have it in terms of just like their life and maybe where they grew up and what they grew up around. Like I grew up around some shit, so I have a lot more empathy towards certain things and I have a better understanding of why people do certain things and maybe somebody that grew up healthy has always been in a healthy mental place with like a stable sort of bubble right they're in a bubble and that's i'm glad that they grew up healthy i don't want anybody to go through the shit that i went through that my family went through but also like not even ever being exposed to it or under like being exposed to even a chance of understanding where like the other people grow up in different ways and other people are put into environments that they have literally no control over it's just like very very i i don't know i'm not smart enough to understand why it happens but it's really hard to get that conversation started with people that have spent, you know, decades of their life living in fucking Wexford or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, how do you, you know, it's, 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 it's weird, but it's, it's important to get the conversation out there and talk about it. The hardest thing is just getting people to listen to it is the most difficult thing. Yeah. I was reading, uh, I was reading some thoughts that somebody put out about how Pittsburgh is basically like an apartheid city like without us even knowing it, the, the difference that people have in their experiences here, um, just between like race class, um, and the intersections of those things, like, um, just like marginalized people in this city have such a different experience. Sure. Um, and so I feel like that's something that, uh, I definitely want to, I don't think that I could fix the problem, certainly, but just to initiate that conversation with people and just having different ideas mixing because so many of us at this point have 
echo chambers that we've placed ourselves into of people that think the same way or do the same things or have the same politics. And you can see this like where people it's like, we're living in the same place in the same time, but the experience is just so incredibly different. Mm -hmm. But in in a lot, in a lot of ways it can be the same because like, you know, I jokingly made a comment about Wexford. You don't think there's addicts in Wexford. They just oh, have yeah, like they just have a much sure. more stable living situation that they're able to get through it. But they it's like, you know, finding different ways to connect with people. It's like oh, anybody can, you know, you know, be reliant on drugs or reliant on, you know, different types of work to get by in life regardless of where they are. It's just finding that like that point of relation. And sometimes mm-hmm. people don't zoom in enough to be like hey, you know, we're all addicts or we're all capable of doing this. It's like, it's like this veil of like, well, I'm an addict, but, you know, at least I have a house to sleep in. So I'm not like that person that's on the street in, you know, in the city. It's like, well, no, you kind of are. Like a lot of you, you're in the same boat, but like you're closing yourself off based off of like, you you know, class and all this stuff. But it's like, we all have the same issues and it sucks because, you know, somebody that lives in Wexford that doesn't need the help can probably get the help a lot easier for free that they need if they were to show up somewhere versus somebody off the street. Yeah. Based off of like looks and class. Yeah. 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 Like, Oh, this, you know, this, 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 this poor young chap is such a promising student at this good school, wherever it is, you know, let's make sure they get help. And then versus maybe somebody that is like an inner city kid. And it's just like, well, they were probably doomed to begin with. So let's just ignore them. It's really, really heartbreaking. That's definitely, it's definitely good to try to make those connections with people. And, um, Yeah, just try to treat people like humans. Like, that's another thing is, like, I feel like we become isolated and then, like, we see people as, like, other. Totally. But then we all sort of, like, need each other to get on the same page to progress as a species. So, yeah, just, like, starting those conversations. It can be interesting, too, whenever, like, somebody's not ready to pop the cognitive dissonance bubble, and then, like, they want to, like, say some stuff about it, and then it's, like, they become the example of, like, oh, okay, you're, like, sounding off about this, or, like, calling somebody, like, a junkie, or, like, doing X, Y, or Z, but then it's, like, look how dehumanized we can be to each other, like, Look how desensitized you can be to like small acts of violence against people for like literally no reason. Yeah. It's just like part of being human. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it goes all back to what we were talking about before, how like sometimes a content creator doesn't even want to take the time to engage with people that enjoy their work, right? They couldn't be bothered less to communicate with somebody they don't know. They just want to, take 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 they don't want to give it's like that mentality goes beyond even being an entertainer i think it's just part of human nature where there are just some people that have zero interest or capability to give because maybe they weren't shown that when they were growing up they didn't grow up in a very giving environment they grew up in a take 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 environment so that's all they know i really don't know i am not uh or qualified like you see people you see people that are successful that do that And, like, some people do garner a bit of success by doing that. 
And so I feel like the Donald Trumps of the world, like become an example of like, oh, look, you can be a total asshole. You can literally like he he was quoted saying I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue Mm -hmm. and not lose one supporter and I wouldn't be arrested and stuff. And it's like you see people like that win and it's like it does make you like feel like, well, I need this or like you kind of become like more cold hearted the more like you are in need or like you feel like you need this um you know and just like people have like they won't follow anybody on instagram just to be like i don't follow anyone i'm just like following like if it's like a band or something like yeah yeah that's that's fine but if it's like you as a personality i'm like what like what are you trying to prove i don't know like get get over yourself like i know people in real life who i've performed with that will like follow me right before we go on an event together and then they unfollow me afterwards and then they'll like re-follow me whenever I'm on an event with them and I'm like I never stopped following you the whole time I don't know like what is this about who the fuck has time for that it's so weird like I don't know yeah that just to me that's like just kind of just like a too much ego thing and also like i'm not trying to be famous like it would be nice if i like made a little bit of money but like i don't have a goal i want i have goals of like people i want to work with or like clown people i would like to work with like i performed with rico nasty dude like i could have quit right after that because i'm like that's one of my favorite artists and i got to share a space with them like right before they it was actually like days after they got signed So this was at Community Forge in Wilkinsburg. And then it was like, yeah, I could basically just like be done because I like I don't have anything else to prove to myself. Like I just performed on a bill with Rico Nasty. Like even if my name is like this small and Rico Nasty is like up here, I'm like, I don't I don't care. Like I'm not I don't see it as something to where like I have this big grandiose goal of like I'm going to get 20,000 followers. Yeah, no. Anybody back like uh, I feel like that's part of what makes it like no pressure for me because it's not like my motivation is not to like be on the cover mm-hmm. of a magazine or some shit. Social like, media has fucked everyone's perception of what like happiness or meaning as an entertainer is like to a point that I don't know. I don't we'll be dealing with the side effects of that a lot longer than COVID. I guarantee you like that. like the mentality of an entertainer is changed forever. Thanks to this stuff. And there's a lot of great positive things that come out of it, but definitely we need to like shift our mentality. Like there's so much more of a focus on just getting people to know who you are before you have anything worth sharing with the world. Like people just want to get followers. They're more concerned with getting followers than creating good content or making cool music. Or it's like nobody we're none of, we're not meant to be this fucking famous. You know, like I have fucking 3000 friends on Facebook. I don't know 3000 people. That is dog shit. That is bullshit. I have the capacity to maybe know four people in my life. And then the rest are just like cool acquaintances and people that I know. I can't manage these relationships. It's impossible. And maybe it's because I'm the type of person that wants to give. I'm not a taker. Right. So like I just emotionally can't handle it. But just trying to have this realistic expectation of like, it's not about fame. It's just about creating art meeting cool people such as yourself and we get to you know we have our moments that we share with each other and then outside of that well 
I'm taking care of myself. I still have a life that I need to take care of. I still have, you know, laundry to do and dinner to cook and people to support. It's just normal life stuff. Like music and art isn't everything, even though it is my everything. It's just simply not everything. And just like keeping that in perspective, I feel is really important. Yeah. I feel like everything that I like make or that I have like on my merch site, I have these like lavender hearts and I put them like in my drawers and in my pillows. Like I was making those for myself. And then I was like, Oh, maybe I can just like list it on the site. Like maybe somebody else would want it. But like, these are all things that I would definitely just be doing if I wasn't able to perform or like, it wasn't a thing. Like I'm sure at some point I was doing lettering and all type of things and was like oh yeah I'm gonna do my bed of nails like yeah that was it was never like oh this is gonna be like planned out and this is how it's gonna like it just kind of was like it came into being out of like all of my different interests and those interests will definitely always still be there like um I find too that um you know, like making t-shirts. Okay. It's so much like pollution and making like ordering t-shirts, like where are they being made? Are they being made by child or like child sure. labor, like Yeager Muslim labor? Then I'm like, oh shit. Like, is it worth it for me to order these t-shirts to try to like make a buck or, get my sideshow out there. Like, honestly, I have a t-shirt that's like, I'm naked on it. And I'm just like an exhibitionist. Like this is, this is part of my personal like kink is to be like some people I don't know, just like seeing me naked because somebody's wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. Or like if I'm fully clothed wearing like a beanie cap and a sweatshirt and everything, but I have the t-shirt on over top. It's like, I'm just, it's like being naked. Sort of <laughs> like when people talk to you, they're like, you're naked on there. Uh, but it's like, that's something that like, I just am into that. Like, yeah. I think that's like, that's like kinky and weird to me and I love it. Um, but then it's like, yeah, I can't have like somebody from like a prison camp making my t-shirt. Like this is fucked up. Like, Yeah. It, it's there's, that that is a a whole wormhole when you start getting to that sort of thing where it's like okay it's really easy to be like okay well where is this t-shirt where was this t-shirt made but then the way my brain is i'm like well where was this keyboard made where was this mouse made where was this interface made where was my laptop made my hat my headphones my socks this carpet the drywall like it's like it just it never ends so it's like one of those things where it's like do you dig into this rabbit hole and just try to help a little bit but is only helping is it better to be like but you don't want to be willfully ignorant but it's like how deep do you go how deep do you go and it's such a slippery slope what I'm doing for that is I'm making like a block print and I'm just buying things from the thrift store to put on and make my t-shirts that way. So it's like yeah. even more DIY and it'll be like stuff I would wear or stuff that like, I think somebody would wear mm-hmm. and it's kind of reusing, but yeah, that's like saying like, okay, well I'm not going to get Apple because of the human rights violations. So I got this Samsung, but yeah. they they use slave labor to get their tungsten and all these like minerals in it. And then also they Samsung company opened up coal, coal factories in North Korea or South Korea or something like that. 
I don't and, think there are or 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 you could be like you know um extra I I I'm try I don't want to use the word woke but I can't think of a better word right now I'm gonna be extra woke and post all of my thoughts to Facebook I'm gonna use this platform and get their free advertising to tell how much I know about the world by using Facebook and Twitter and all these other places that are also maybe not doing such great things. None of it's good. It's all, it's all bad. It's Late all pretty bad. Capitalism is a hellscape. Yeah. It's all pretty bad. So it's like, how, how deep do you want to go? It's like, I totally empathize and understand why, because it's, you get it. I get it. I totally get it. And it's just like, I you know, am I, should... am I a fucking criminal because like I still willingly use Facebook? I don't know. Maybe I'm I got sure. banned off of Facebook. So it's been like two years. I'm not allowed on, but my business page is still up and I have no control over it. So I'm just like weird. Okay, what, what, ha- cool. what happened? Was it like for uh, I, clown content or being like more radical? I w- okay. I was using a fake name, which mm. is what they got me for using a fake name. First of all, there's like 20,000 users on Facebook with the name Icky Vicky. Sure. Sure. So sure. there's that. But I had also been in a conversation about who's allowed to be someone had started a thread who's allowed to be in LGBTQIA who's allowed to be in it. And they said, ace people aren't allowed to be in it. So I just started saying this conversation makes me go. And I posted photos of like, when you put a suction cup on a vagina, have you ever seen that? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. like the pussy gets like really swollen and shit. Yeah. I started posting photos of that on Facebook and then they like kicked me off right away. I, um, they asked me to send my ID so they could like get my real name. Mm. And I sent them a photo of Steve Harvey crying <laughs> So then they like just locked my account and I've never been able to access it since. You're probably better off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I haven't been on Facebook, but I did get on Twitter and um, it's mostly just like hot takes. Like I don't even really post sideshow content on there right now, Um, but it's mostly just hot takes like. That's- Me saying that I need a workout tape that is instrumentals of Azalea Banks music, but then on top of the instrumentals, it's just like audio of her fat shaming celebrities that like aren't fat. Like her calling Rihanna fat and like Doja Cat and saying like, oh, look at that gut. And like, just like her saying that, but it's like those undeniable house beats. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm thinking about actually making that because... I just like want it. I don't know. Like I think it's a really funny thing because if Azalea Banks did something problematic, like I didn't see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just love her. Like I, 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 I'm like, those are the sort of things where like I'm working on this and I'll be probably working on that tape for like months. And then I'm just going to listen to it. Like it's, it's not for anybody else. I'm going to give it to my friend Celeste though, because we both like, I'll probably put a link up because my Twitter people were like, I'm here for this. Somebody <laughs> commented. Yeah. I think that it's really important to do art for yourself and not forget what that's like. Um, the deeper down the creator hole you get, especially you start getting wrapped up in Instagram and all this other stuff. And 
you know, how, however deep you want to go into that, um, you start to forget that you make art for yourself. It's really easy for that to happen. I don't know if it's happened to you. It's definitely happened to me. I feel like it's probably happened to most people that are creators in some aspect, whatever their medium may be. And uh, yeah, I, I like just having those selfish things that you do for yourself for the longest time. And still to some degree, like most of my like visual art, like drawing and painting, that's just mostly stuff that I keep to myself. Like I don't want to really be like an artist that's like, presenting work and shows even though i have on and off very very briefly um it's just not my thing i'm more about like i have my music that most people know me for in the podcast and like the art stuff is just kind of like my own little break from everything and you know your break could be making you know azalea bakes uh workout tapes yeah fat beats fat shaming and like it's something that like i normally like wouldn't support anybody doing this but like it's Azalea Banks. So I'm like, she can, she can have a pass. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, I'm, to, like break down, like also like, um, fat phobia and things like that. And in, in with myself, but I feel like it would be a huge motivator for me to have that. And like, it's just sort of a joke with my friends. Like m- me and my friend Celeste are like hopelessly obsessed with Azalea Banks. And <laughs> She recently like boiled her cat and like taxidermied her cat on Instagram. What? And yeah, people were saying like she eats cats and stuff. Jesus Christ. And uh, there's like, you know, like taxidermy is like, I got like skulls and all that stuff. But like, I don't know, me and my friend like got into a renewed um, love for her music just by like, consuming her content that she makes that's non-musical and i feel like that's like all my favorite artists are like funny and weird as hell like in real life um and that's part of why i like cling to like certain things that they do like here and there there's definitely a few examples of that um but even like the whole thing with like dave chappelle like they got his show taken off netflix and all these fans like boycotted it because people like really just like fuck with him and i feel like other artists have complained about having their work like exploited and like oversold and oversaturated and it just gets ignored um and he's like maybe maybe not the first example of someone to successfully do this but to basically like have their fans like boycott on such a like large level like it's because people actually like give a shit about him as a person Mm-hmm. On, aside from like the the like fuck yo couch thing <laughs> yeah or like his his art like in its consumable forms yeah I, I, definitely an enigmatic personality uh there's only there will only ever be one dave Chappelle. uh yeah a very very <laughs> a very special human being the world's definitely a better place with him it'd be would might be uh huh we could use more Dave Chappelle's, but I don't think the world could handle it. Just one, yeah, one, one's enough. So. One's enough. So uh, as we are rounding around the corner here, we've been going for quite a while, honestly, but we were just chatting it up and I would keep gladly going, but I have another podcast that's starting in 15 minutes. So oh, nice. it looks like our time is up, my friend. Yeah. But hey, we could do this another time, some other time. Maybe, you know, uh, 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 in the future, maybe in a 
um, a post-COVID-ish world. Post-ish world? I don't know if we'll have a post-world, but we'll have a post-ish world. And maybe you'll have some new music and a new act and we can talk about that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Whatever. But thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, Check out my sideshow, I guess, on IckyVicky underscore sideshow on Insta. Big Cartel, Broken Heart Sideshow. And then I'm having a raffle for the Sex Workers of Pittsburgh Mutual Aid Fund. Um, So people can find that if they listen to this and want to help. It's a $5 entry fee. And if you just send a screenshot of your donation to the Sex Workers of Pittsburgh Cash App or Venmo, then you are entered in to win a balaclava, a harness, and a t-shirt from me, and then some goodies from Underbite Crafts as well. Awesome. Anything else you would like to let the lovely people of the internet know? Um, No. Be good to each other and drink water. <laughs> water! My can's actually empty. I'm just kind of holding it in solidarity, but this this thing's been gone. And I keep on like trying to pretend that it's going to regenerate itself somehow, but it just doesn't. Well, with all of that being said, that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here one more time. Icky Vicky, thank you. Yay. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo woo. Thanks for listening. And we are done. That's a podcast. We made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. I'm going to fade this out. And.